Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And we're so glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Texas. So grab globe, spin it around, bang! Have absolutely no idea where you are. Got a vague idea of where we are. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And we're here on this uh, faith journey. And we're just glad that you uh, decided to join in. Um, before I get started on a personal note, and this is probably, uh, I can probably say this for, uh, most all of you fellas out there, um, man, 2020 has been a tough year for the old Coxmeister. And I'm so thankful that, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Steve Titch stepped in and did the hosting duties, and the fellas stepped up. Thank you so much. Um, Yay, Steve! I had a couple of surgeries <laughs> in recovery. Yes, yeah, Steve, man, awesome, awesome, awesome deal. And so, as you can, uh, as you probably know, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are on iHeartRadio. We're on Facebook at Man Dash Up. We haven't even have a website. That's Man Dash Up Spiritual So. However you found us, and, and all of our podcasts are archived on SoundCloud, we're so glad you did, because this is a little bit different than anything else that's out there. What we do is we take a ABF or Adult Bible Fellowship or your typical Sunday school lesson, and we go through it, and uh, we update it. We put a man spin on it. This is the kind of thing that you can't get uh, anywhere else, and so... We're so glad that uh, you've downloaded us or, or tuned in. We have a great panel and very diverse guys. And uh, <clears throat> of course, uh, we have uh, Mr. Steve who is a uh, retired now uh, policy writer and a bit of a professional gambler. Uh, out on location, we have uh, the professor. He's a uh, world-class trainer uh, for a Fortune 100 company. Uh, that's Robert Koshu. Uh, he's an insurance broker and uh, a Kunasity. Where's that uh, badge with pride? A great guy, our deacon, uh, Kyle Trahan. And we have uh, an attorney, and he's also a prosecutor, so he could, uh, he could defend you or throw the book at you. That's Michael Cropper. We call him the judge. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> what, it's a great panel. Great to be here. We go over lessons that are... Uh, from various texts and we're in the baptist way press and this is the lesson seven and it's out of daniel and it's living in the lion's den and i'm just going to go around the uh, around the horn and get a brief overview from the fellows on uh, this particular lesson start with uh, mr steve titch uh, this is another another great story from daniel uh, now late in life, now, uh, now living under the occupation of the Persians who have conquered Babylon. Uh, and he's a, well, once again, he has to 
appeal, you know, has to live to his, live to his faith and trust his God. And uh, the reason I like about this story, again, we're dealing with manipulation about, uh, you know, people who go out of their way to try to get Daniel into trouble. <coughs> and once again, we've got the, uh, we've got, you know, a ruler who's, you know, is it, is it really Daniel who gets worried about this or does the ruler get worried? In this case, Darius the Mede. I'll, I'll, I'll pass this on to the, our, our, our other panel. Um, and out on location, uh, the professor. Yeah, so I may have a little bit more background noise than usual. So I am currently outside of the not currently frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Came up here to move my uh, son oh, up here. Down. So I am sitting outside Lambeau on one of the benches next to the tailgating village. Thought this would be really fun. Got to do a podcast on location last year from the National Mall and thought, ah, we'll do another one on location. So my short take on this is there are two dens of lions involved in this story, and we'll talk about both of them, I'm sure. Ah, very nice. Michael Cropper. Yeah, we were on uh, Daniel Fox. I don't, I don't know if we've mentioned so far, but this is Daniel the Lion's Den, but uh, once again, Daniel's in the forefront of this lesson, folks. And once again, it's one of the most famous lessons of the Bible. Uh, we all enjoy it. And uh, just a reminder, he's been working back in the background for a while. Again, he has disappeared in the background working strenuously because he, uh, he is remembered when the time is necessary for him to be remembered. We know that he was promoted back in Daniel 2 when he told King Nebuchadnezzar his dream and he interpreted it for him. Again, folks, you remember this is a brilliant, great, brilliant metal statue of gold, silver, <clears throat> iron, and clay. And the dream that uh, Daniel interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar was that he is the king over all the animals, nations, in his empire, and God placed him there. And then, uh, like I said, Daniel was promoted because he was able to do that. Of course, and once again, folks, the important thing here and I'm sure we'll discuss this, is that God is in the background behind all this. And he is the reason Daniel is able to, to tell the king his dream and also interpret it. Now, we don't hear from Daniel again until many years later when Nebuchadnezzar has another dream about a giant tree. Folks, you remember that a couple of lessons back. Daniel explains that dream to him, but the dream foretells of misfortune and that things will happen to Nebuchadnezzar that are not good because he does not recognize God as the source of his great power and empire. <clears throat> Daniel goes back again to working hard and disappears again in the background till King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson becomes king for a day or a month or a week. Uh, his father, we believe, is Nebonidas, is away, and he's the real king for Babylon. But uh, anyway, uh, Belshazzar is the name of this grandson for King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. And we remember that the hand of God appears while Belshazzar and his friends worship many different gods. All of them, the God of gold, silver, wood, stone, everything, but the holy God of Daniel. And they are drinking and using goblets and vessels from the Temple of Solomon, which had been dedicated to the holy God and they are very holy. And when he does that, or a hand comes out of the wall, and writing appears on the wall. 
And this again is a reason, and, and nobody can interpret it, none of his wise men. So once again, Daniel's name is brought up to the forefront, and he is called in to interpret the writing of the wall. Now, once again, a couple things right quick. Daniel is no longer number three. He gets demoted, I guess, whenever King Nebuchadnezzar's son takes over the kingdom. And uh, at the end of the event with Belshazzar, when he interprets the writing of the wall, he is promoted to number three. Well, if you remember, he was promoted number two in the original dream with Nebuchadnezzar. So we see him go up and down, I guess, depending on the on the leadership of the kingdom. <laughs> anyway, Belshazzar promotes him. And now we are about to study about the new King Darius who takes over the kingdom because that night that Daniel interprets the writing on the wall with the hand from, of God, Belshazzar is killed. Now, in reality, I think Steve mentioned this already, there are a few principles that we can apply to life in the workplace that we're going to look at from Daniel's consistency for his, his, his courage to stand up for the living God, his honesty, his integrity. So anyway, with that, I'll pass it, on, pass it back to you, Bill. All right, Mr. Kyle Trahan. Great, I get to follow the historian. You know, as always for me, you know, this is a very well-known story. Mike said it in the beginning. Everybody seems to, to know Daniel and Lion's Den. Um, but it's, it's one of those stories that, you know, again, in my background growing up as a kid, it wasn't something that I uh, studied as, as much as what these books do, um, this, this gateway, um, you know, connect 360, excuse me, um, book set is really interesting that, uh, if you have an opportunity to get your hands on them, um, it, it's an interesting study. They do give a lot of insight that, you know, I didn't ever get, I, we just didn't study the way I grew up. Um, you know, but the, the thing I see that stood out to me in the beginning of this story is there's always somebody in the background that's trying to or going to try and take <clears throat> down. If you're doing well, there's somebody to say, well, you're not doing this, you know. Um, and in, in our scenario tonight, Daniel is, is praying to God. And they, they convince the, the, you know, Anyway, there's always somebody in the in the background. I I think was my my point there. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead, and uh, Steve is going to play the scripture. Daniel six one through twenty eight. It seemed good to Darius to appoint a hundred and twenty satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps, because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps 
began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption, inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the documents so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, and he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an induction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which shall not be revoked. Then he answered and spoke to the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you sign, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard the statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signet ring of the nobles, so that nothing could be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, 
servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king. O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them their children and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, Men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one will not be destroyed, and his dominion will live forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You know, the ant that was yet another uh, long passages, you know, typically uh, they're not that long in the Baptist Way press, but <clears throat> throughout this Daniel, it, it seems it's all these, it's been these, these long stories. But <clears throat> in this particular one, Daniel, they could not find fault with Daniel as far as his work was. And so what they tried to do, the people that were going against him, were just trying to find the way that he was different from them and trick Darius into signing a decree based on the differences that Daniel was than the rest of them. No, it was more than just differences. They chose... <clears throat> They chose um, something that would create a direct conflict within Daniel. They basically made something, his, his religious practice, something he did out of religious conscience and uh, religious discipline, illegal, which has some resonance for our time these days. But without getting too much into that, or perhaps getting into that later, if we have time, uh, it's, it's that, and they found nothing wrong with him. So basically, they're go they were going to really try to checkmate him into uh, using his own religion against him. Yeah, well, and that, that, that was why I made the comment to kind of start out that we were going to look at two dens of lions here. The, the first den of lions was the satraps. Who are trying to trap them and how many times do we as men we get faced with the den of lions at work or in our family who are out to get us and as steve alluded to anymore it used to be if your work life was good and you had no fault in then people would leave you alone but nowadays you know people will get drug up for their beliefs 
and get called on the carpet and they'll use those things against you as you move forward. And so I think that one thing as we're looking at it, kind of think through how do we handle, how do we handle the first den of lions? The second den of lions in my mind was the easiest one for Daniel to handle because that was the den of lions that God could control, that God controlled that whole situation for him. And while God's in control the entire time, I'm a total believer in that. That was the part where David Daniel knew, I think, his faith would carry. It's this first part where he's having to deal with these satraps and stuff where I think it gets really interesting. Because now you're in a den of, human, of the human world that you have to make decisions on how you're going to handle. The uh, word he states there, in fact, in Daniel, yeah, states... States that he has an extraordinary spirit. By the way, were you finished, Robert? I, I was. I was. Okay, okay. Uh, Daniel is a noble and honest and a very sta stately man. The Bible says he has an extraordinary spirit. Now, what I'm getting at is what you guys are mentioning, and that's simply how do we apply this in our workplace today? What do we see? What principles can we get away from here or take with us that we're going to see in our workplace? And that's simply he had a great attitude the words exact words was that he possessed an extraordinary spirit and let me tell you that's going to cause jealousy anywhere you go even without touching on the fact that he did phenomenal work he did incredible work it said he makes no no mistakes he doesn't even make accidental mistakes <laughs> there is no negligence in him if you look at verse four on in our book it's page 77 at the top they couldn't find any negligence in him. And of course, corruption means dishonesty or deception. But, but just alone, the fact that he is, is a, has a great spirit is enough to make people in our workplace jealous of us. Then, then his extraordinary work ethic will again bring people who will be jealous of us. And then when he's up for promotion, and they know it, apparently King Darius didn't make any bones about it. Daniel, you are you're not doing just doing great. You are doing extraordinary. So he tells him, "I'm going to put you up for promotion." And then, like you said, this brings out the lions, right, Robert? But what gets me is these guys are not just out to get Daniel demoted; they want him killed, and they're going to go to any any length to do it. They will kill. They want him out of the picture completely. They don't want him in the background because he might pop up later and be a problem. And they are going to do anything they can, which means they've got to get a decree passed that will cause him to die if he violates the decree of the uh, of the emperor in this time, uh, the uh, uh, king uh, 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 King Darius. I'm sorry. Now, yeah, right. tell you something else, you guys. Catch, I guess the the king likes Excellent, uh, Kyle. Um, you know, so the, uh, to, to sound there on Mike, they, they were out to get him, you know, that they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't like the fact that here's a, a, an immigrant, somebody that should be more like a slave is elevated into a government position. And they were out to get that decree, you know, uh, to trap him essentially you know and they 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 probably went to the um what is it um 
John the Baptist, the underhandedness of getting him his head chopped off, you know, catch him when he's drunk or something and say, hey, let's make it where nobody can worship anything but you or the statue. And if they do, then they're, it, it was so underhanded, you know, that it, again, something I see today, certainly in our politics. Well, you know what's happened? Look what they've, I don't know if you guys, I probably Robert does, um, Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris Pratt is an evangelical Christian. Chris Pratt is, is uh, a big box office leading man right now. He has two franchises, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and the Jurassic Park franchise. He's not completely outspoken, but he has spoken, he has is, he is, he is told, he has not been, he's been open about the fact that he is a, a Christian. Uh, and he's a member of the Hillsong Church in Hollywood, which is, as you might expect, a kind of Hollywood Christian church, but a Christian church nonetheless. Uh, a, a few, maybe it was last year, Elisa, Elisa Milano tried to cancel him on her Twitter account by basically accusing him of being, well, accusing him. That was her, her, her idea, that he goes to, he's, he's um, at, at Hillsong Church. Uh, they're a Christian church. Therefore, they're anti-gay. Um, no. Yeah, he was homophobic. Yeah, with and, the actual, yes. So after he used the word homophobic. homophobic. And, and just last week, the Washington Post, one of their columnists, picked up on the same thing. And it was, a, it was an attempt to get him canceled. Essentially, why are we doing business with the guy? Not, now, Pratt has never said anything. And I can't, you know, he has never said anything homophobic. Basically, their, their reasoning was Chris Pratt is a, is a Christian. Some Christians are, you know, do not affirm the gay lifestyle. Therefore, Chris Pratt does not affirm the gay lifestyle. Therefore, Chris Pratt should not be a Hollywood leading actor anymore. That was the reasoning. But there it is. This is it. You know, we're, we, again, we don't, and, and I'm sure it's jealousy. The guy is one of the hottest properties in Hollywood right now. And Hollywood is a very insecure, jealous place to be and anything to dethrone somebody is 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 a is you know there's it's not it's not over justice i'll tell you that it's over uh it's over you know daniel we're gonna get this guy out so i can take his place I absolutely agree and with that we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna take our hard break um and we will be right back. Uh, this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. This is podcast number 163. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, but this is the No Church Answers Tour. So what we do is we take your basic... Uh, <clears throat> ABF for Adult Bible Fellowship, 
uh, Sunday school lesson. Uh, we go over it like we did in the, uh, in the first half, uh, listen to the scripture being read. And then we, uh, we go into deeper and <clears throat> unpeel it like an onion and apply it and update it and apply it to our men's life and what's happening to us and in, in the real world. And, <clears throat> and Steve was just talking about, uh, about Hollywood. And did you want to continue on with that, Steve? No, oh, oh, that's, that's, I, I'd say that's it on a, on a high level, uh, you know, way out there on the public level. But, you know, we're, a lot of people are dealing with this uh, in the workplace. Um, it, socially, especially now it, that it's very divisive and now uh, somehow you're expected, stay, staying silent or keeping your counsel <coughs> is not enough. You have to vocally affirm the culture of, of, of our times and either give some, this is why this Daniel thing is so good because so many people right now are giving lip service to this because they have to. Um, we're going to get down with, you know, the idea, look, you know, the idea, not, not, and, and going well beyond the idea of racial equality, but get down with the idea that uh, democracy is bad, the United States' history is completely racist, uh, we have to go through racial training in the workplace, which is becoming itself a bit of an industry. And and I know I'm getting into yes. controversial yes, area, oh, but no, yeah, no, you no, can no, you no, can no, get into I, this. I, you can get I, into this. And, and maybe maybe so. And 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 some of it and some of it is anti-Christian. Some of it is uh, the, the Smithsonian took down a a poster, a thing that basically said Christianity is part of the white supremacy, white European culture, when in fact somebody did point out that 65% of blacks in America uh, identify with being Christian as opposed to about 52% of the white people. So, I mean, it was, it's, but, but there's this narrative forming that, you know, you better get on board here and, you know, staying silent is not, not the option. Um, and, and I'll see whether, uh, well, either Robert or whatever, because, because at least you're yeah. I'm glad you affirm that, that there <laughs> is this whole, so, you know, so, it is, so it is like Daniel writ large, bow down, um, you know, and if you don't bow down, we're coming for you. So, so let's start with where this all started. This all started in the 90s when Clarence Thomas was seeking, his, when he was first nominated to be on the Supreme Court. And we went through the whole sexual harassment. And then from then that point forward, everybody had to go get their sexual harassment training. Over the years, that has morphed into not just, okay, you cannot approach a woman at work and attempt to seduce her or whatever, but it's morphed into, well, you have to respect this and you have to respect that. And none of the examples I have ever seen in any of the training is anyone anyone but Christian. Every example is well you 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 gotta you you gotta respect that Muslim's right. You've got to respect the Hindus right. You've got to respect your homosexual co-workers right. You've got to expect anything else. And if you make a comment and I literally have seen this scenario in a training session where a guy briefly mentioned the guy was excited because he was he was you know, going to be married and married to his partner. And 
the scenario was that the Christian in the office said, I'm, I'm happy for you, but I can't come to the wedding because I don't support gay marriage. So in the scenario and the way it was written up, that person ended up having to go to HR to take sensitivity training because he was not allowed to express. The correct answer is he was no, not allowed to express that he was, that he did not believe in the homosexual lifestyle due to his faith because that, that meant that he was homophobic and he, he created a culture of insensitivity to him. And, and I am, I am scared because I saw where I think it was the city of Seattle. If I remember correctly, I may be wrong about that, but yeah, they're actually having racial sensitivity training so that people can quote unquote, lose their whiteness as a part of this. And I am amazed at what I'm going to be seeing. And, and I don't do a lot of soft type, that type training. I'm a technical trainer. I tend to do a lot of software and other type training is the kind of training I tend to lean towards. But I am scared for what I am seeing coming down the pipe. And I'm really glad I'm looking at retiring anywhere from five to 10 years out because I'm really not sure I could in good conscience, train some of that at some but, point. But you know what the sad thing is? The sad, ironic, <clears throat> and cynical thing is, we, and we talked a little about this way back when we started talking about the Ten Commandments, a great series about nihilism. The people promoting this don't believe it. The people who are standing up in front of a corporate crowd saying, um, you know, um, the family is breaking down. There are different forms of family. They don't go home and tell their kids, it's okay not to go to school. It's okay not to listen to your father or your mother or obey them. They have rules in their house, just like Christian families do. They just don't talk about it. But what's worse, they go out and tell other people exactly the opposite. And that's what's sad because <coughs> I, I go back to that, 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 um, that Smithsonian idea, which basically said, you know, punctuality and reasonable thought and mathematics are all white concepts. But it's not, you know, it, this is not, this is not anything about, this is not anything about equality. It's not anything about being created in the image of God. Um, I, I'm going, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but I'll go, I'll take it back by saying well, that, that yes, there. <laughs> There, there, there's an industry out there and the people who are promoting it and paying for it don't believe a dime of it. And, and that's what's sad about it. I mean, you could argue that the Babylonians may have actually believed Nebuchadnezzar was a god. These guys don't believe, I mean, this is what, they, they, they put these idols up. They ex demand we worship them but they, they know it's, they know it's false to begin with. And I don't know which is worse. I will, uh, I will mention something here. If you, if, if, uh, like point proper. yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, uh, whatever Daniel told the King, when he was brought out, he told the King and this changed the subject for a moment, but I think it's, it's very, very interesting. He says, he says, the Lord sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Uh, now we don't, we don't see that anybody saw this angel, but we hear Daniel say it. And we believe Dan what Daniel says is correct. But we do remember another instance when an angel did show up. And that's with the three Hebrew, 
three Hebrew young men. So what I'm getting into is there is God supernatural. Absolutely. Did he probably send an angel to shut the mouths of lions so Daniel wouldn't be eaten? Yes, I believe he did. The only difference was that with three Hebrew young men, the king actually saw it and some other members of his staff saw it where Daniel just nonchalantly said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Uh, the Lord sent an angel and shut their mouths. So I, I, that, to me, that's very, very fascinating way. Daniel doesn't speak like, oh, this is some great miracle or anything. He said, God can do what he wants, and he can either save me or he can protect me, and he protect me in this time. Now, coming back to what Robert's saying, and, and you guys have been talking about Steve and Robert, uh, you're not saying that the First Amendment rights and freedom of speech is only being taken away from the Christians, are you? Or it appears to be that way, right, guys? It's Well, it, it, it's more, you have to be, I'm going to use a colloquial term, you have to be woke, and we're going to cancel, and we're going to ignore, and part of, part of, an, and I'll go, I'm going to try to do this as quick as possible. So we drove from Houston, Texas to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yesterday, we were in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. One of my son's good friends lives there. And he drove us around the city. He drove us by the Camp Randall area. Camp Randall is where the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badger Stadium is built on that site now. But the Camp Randall area was where the third largest regiment that fought in the Civil War in the Western Theater of the Civil War. They were at Shiloh, Stones River, Chickamauga, uh, Chattanooga, Atlanta, all of that area. And as I'm driving here, I'm driving through these lush dairy farmlands up here in Wisconsin. And it is so far removed from anything you would experience or think about in the South that it's not even thought about. And I juxtaposed that as I was driving and thinking, I juxtaposed it with, you know, the, the Union Army was volunteers. And they literally <clears throat> left this lush farmland that they weren't a part of to go fight for the Union and to free the slaves. And it was a dual-purpose war, period, end of discussion. Keep the Union together, free the slaves. That was the purpose of the war. So here these boys volunteered to leave this great lush farmland that they were living on and doing stuff to go down to the South, because all most of the battles were fought in the South, to do that, and they volunteered to do that. Juxtapose that with Steve's statement earlier that's being promoted, that America is a 100% straight racist country. I can't make those two things equate each other, period. Slavery is America's original sin, no matter how you look at it. But we spilled blood for four years in untollable amounts. If you want to go look through some of the pictures on the Facebook site, the picture <laughs> I put up every year for Memorial Day on the Man Up site is the National Cemetery for Shiloh Battlefield that I've been to that contains about 70% Civil War veterans. And it, it is a, you have to think through that and you can't make it. And the problem is they've lumped Christianity in with all of that, that we're not a quote unquote woke religion because we have rules. You know, we believe certain things and we believe more importantly that, that there are absolutes and there is right and there is wrong. And if you can't equate right and wrong, then there is a problem with you because it's whatever I want. It's nihilism that we spoke about. 
Well, that's uh, it's interesting you bring up all that. Of course, you know, again, another historian in, a, in our midst. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, we, we've been watching that little miniseries on Ulysses uh, S. Grant uh, the last couple of nights. So you're talking about, we just watched the Battle of Shiloh last night, you know, so um, very interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, to the, to the lesson, something I, I, I hadn't picked up on ever before, and uh, I had read it again this morning, and I read it uh, a little before the, uh, the podcast here. And there in uh, verse 14, um, then as soon as the king had heard this statement, um, <coughs> he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. You know, the, the king even saw the great value in, in person that Daniel was, and uh, I, I believe appreciated his insight. But the, the satraps, you know, cornered him. They got him to pass this stupid thing and said, well, you know, if anybody does this, we get to just throw him in the lion's den. And he didn't really see, he didn't have the foresight to look that far to realize that he was trapping himself into a decision that he later would seriously regret, you know. But he, by what I read, he seriously advocated to uh, probably find a loophole in whatever the heck he had even written. And they just kept throwing him back at it. And it's like, well, you said, and if the king says it and makes this decree, it can't be changed. So we've got to kill him, you know? And I, I just found that one part so interesting. I, I, I'm glad, there, I'm glad you brought that. that up because it's, it is, it's, he goes, he goes through more agony than Daniel does. Daniel, yes. you know, who's, who's, who's going to be there? And, right. and, and he, he kind of, he fasts, he, he pay, he's up all night and he's like, and, and I'm sure he was not happy uh, being put in this position, which is certainly explained in the response he has after this whole thing is over. Uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting how serene and, um, <coughs> laid back, Daniel is compared mm -hmm. to to uh, to the to the king. I, I, that's that's well, that takes us back to to contemporary times. Um, we as Christians, I guess, even when we're up against this, shouldn't be quaking in our boots. Uh, but I'll you know I'll, you know Robert, does does this happen in the corporate setting where? you know, a manager or a top manager gets manipulated into, you know, either damaging a key, uh, maybe just driving away a key employee, a key productive employee, um, or, uh, or damaging the organization by, you know, subscribing to a bad rule or, or, or ignoring, perhaps ignoring his own sense of what's, what's right. Um, so the best example that comes to mind a couple of years ago, and Kyle, Mike, Bill, Steve, y'all remember the story of the of the guy that got drug off the United flight by the security guards? 
Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do remember that. Okay. <clears throat> that got the, the manager that made that decision followed the rules that United had put forth for flight operations perfectly, totally legally, right to the letter of the law, exactly how it was supposed to be handled according to their rules. Now, will everyone pretty much agree that that was probably the absolute worst thing they ever could have done? <laughs> that, that is a great example where someone got trapped by the rules, and that happens all the time in corporate business. And this is what happened with Darius. And, and the thing is, there are people out right. there, as, as Kyle was talking about, there are people <clears throat> out there that will use the little bitty rules and everything imaginable to zap you and keep you in play no matter what because they'll they'll want you to follow the letter of the rules and not not follow what the rule was written by i know mike <laughs> loves this because i'm saying a lot of times especially with rules it's it's what was the spirit that that rule was written in not why not the exact legal or exact dot to the and dot implementation of it yeah go ahead kyle the the intent there you know the the funny again to me you know reading this lesson is they they throw this medes and persians thing back in his face in the end and said well how can it be changed which the king has established well i'm the king i'm just going to change the rules again which he did here in a minute because after he got mad at him he just threw all of them and their families and their kids and Everybody into the lion's den. Have, you know, dinner for the lions. Yippee. So why couldn't he have done that a minute ago? And you know, wait, 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 wait. I am the king. Um, I can say I don't like this and I made a mistake. Well, he wouldn't say I made a mistake. I know he wouldn't have, you know, thrown that one out there. But say, well, wait a minute. No, I just don't like this. And so I'm going to revert this. I'm the king. But they threw it at him that you can't change it because the king did it. I don't understand why they could not have created, he couldn't have created another decree. It didn't have to rescind that decree, but he could have said this decree nullifies the previous one. And I, I don't know. Oh, there you go. There you go with the legalese. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Hey, I, I, you know what? As we get down to the end of this, as we get down to the end of the podcast, um, to me, what this lesson just says is character matters and people look and recognize character. And I think that Daniel had, he was obviously older in life and he was sure of his character Everybody else could see it. And so I want to go around the, the fellas one more time. Sorry, Mike, I uh, no, and, and get some more thoughts on this particular lesson of Daniel. You want me to go now? I'm sorry. Yeah. Hello, Bill. Okay. All right. Real quick. Yeah. No, that's quite all right. Um, it, there's about... 10 things that I take away here and, and the one word conclusions that I saw get from the lesson. Uh, and it, I say one word, but it, I, some of them in very short uh, phrases. Uh, 
And, and one of them is just what you said, Bill. Daniel is noble and an honest man, and he's possessed with an extraordinary spirit, a great attitude. And we want to do that at our work, all of us as Christians, uh, no matter whether our bosses are Christians or not. Next, promotion, if you're up for promotion, uh, folks, uh, do your best you can. Now, I, I don't know that there's anybody that can actually do their job and not make errors or make mistakes ex accidentally, but Daniel was able to do it without any negligence or mistakes, but always strive for that in your work. Jealousy, will you always have jealousy in your workplace? <coughs> Absolutely, folks. Uh, especially if you're succeeding, especially if the boss points it out to you, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get uh, jealousy from your fellow, fellow employees. Flattery, well, everybody likes flattery. I'm gonna go on without that. Um, decree, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you not to flatter your boss. You can compliment your boss or vice versa, but be careful. Flattery is over embellishing something. A decree, uh, we'll go on past that. Daniel is courageous. Courageous means stand up for what you believe, even if you're confronted with it and, 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 and speak out for it. Of course, be wise in what you do. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, according to Christ. Anyway, um, I think that's about it for the moment. I just want to apply those in our work uh, and then leave the rest to the Lord. Um, trust in everything else in what you do. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Kyle you know, some takeaways. Kyle. How about Steve? Uh, some takeaways that you Can you hear me? All right. Robert, do you okay. have uh, takes from uh, this lesson? Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, there you are, Kyle. Kyle go ahead. Some takeaways. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, my, my audio uh, coming from Bill was all messed yeah. up. So I, I didn't, uh, didn't tell he was going to me, so I didn't realize to unmute. Oh, sorry um, about that. All right. No, no worries. It's that fun uh, technology thing, you know. Of, uh, right. That. But thank you, Lord, for the invention of the Internet. You know, something I noticed is that, uh, you know, the, these kings are just kind of fair weather. You know, they'll, they'll blow in any direction that, you know, they're kind of pushed and nudged. Um, there just didn't seem to be a lot of substance to them. So, you know, a guy like Daniel that's got a lot of substance, a lot of wisdom and trust in the Lord that he, he just seemed to stand out among the crowd, I guess I would say. And, uh, you know, just this whole lesson, I think, is, is the trust in the Lord thing. Um, you know, in my business, it's ever-changing right now, especially with our pandemic. And... Um, I, I had a business thing that uh, I, I wasn't sure what to do. And I, when I got off the phone, I, you know, had told him I'm going to think and pray upon 
you know, my decision. <clears throat> I made a decision and said, this is what I feel. And by the time I made the return phone call, the Lord had decided that was not the path for me. And it, it was changed. And I didn't think it was as good in the beginning. And I, I was, you know, kind of frustrated. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute. God just decided something for me. And I, I forgot the path that we're supposed to be on is watching and accepting sometimes the path that God puts in front of us. And Daniel was certainly willing to do that. And it got him through this. Um, so a yeah. whole bunch of different thought processes. And I've seen this uh, lesson in a totally different light than I ever has. Glad to be here. Yeah, excellent, excellent, Kyle. And uh, on location, uh, Professor, your takeaways uh, from this lesson? Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it really is all about the two lion dens, lion's den. The lion's den that everybody always talks about in the study is really the lion's den that Daniel had the easiest time with where, you know, I posted a picture out on Facebook and Twitter yesterday where it's basically, or this morning, where it's basically Daniel's kind of staring there serenely looking up. And lions are kind of laying around taking a nap. The real lion's den that we all face right now is the people we interact with daily and the people we work, work with. And we have to really watch out for our, that lion's den. And as Mike said, you behave in such a way at work where you are not questioned ever. I mean, are you going to have struggles? Yes. Are you going to make mistakes? Yeah, we're all human. But you don't deliberately do anything and you don't deliberately mess up anything. You always focus on performing your best and doing the best work you can. And as a part of that, making sure God knows first, because that really, really puts it in front. So just be aware of that lion's den that we will live in today excellent uh steve well this uh, was the last of the of the tales of daniel uh we're about halfway through the book next come the prophecies but it kind of again wraps things up and what we really learn from daniel is how to be in the world and not of it uh, you guys have been uh, all brought up the fact that he always did a top-notch job. He was working for his, you know, he calls his, his slavers, his, his, his colonial bosses, um, his, his occupiers, even though he was, he was in their, in their, in their capital he was, he was not, they were not, you know, he was of another nation and they were occupying it. Uh, and, you know, this does not make them moral or anything, but he, he served them well. He, <clears throat> he was in many cases, very diplomatic. He respected them, <clears throat> but there was always a line he drew. Uh, and he, always remained first and foremost um, 
loyal to God, loyal to his God. He put his God first, uh, nothing, before, uh, nothing before that. So uh, that led to, you know, from the very beginning, it led to issues over what he should eat. Um, certainly where he, you know, what he should pray to. And even here, finally here, you know, well, the last, the last card they play is, let's just making Daniel's praying to God illegal. Uh, he, he, always, he, he always did what he thought was right. And part, and part of that was certainly being true to his religion, true to his God, but also uh, to be, the, you know, to be a, a, a good servant, which is what, what, you know, when you come down to it, what Jesus asks of us and his example was uh, being a good and faithful servant. And in the end, he seemed to have, well, he did definitely won the respect of his captors and uh, may have even, you know, we don't know, may have even converted a few. Uh, this, it did seem the, the rulers went back and forth with the winds, but who knows, there, there may have been some members of the, of the staff, some co-workers who were, who were not from Israel, but nonetheless came to know God. And there's a, it's a really good example of that. And he never, you know, he never, you know, he never got in anybody's face. He really never, never called down, uh, you know, the angels or God on the rulers. The way we've seen, you know, we've seen other examples in the Bible, Ezekiel and Isaiah both do it. Uh, they do it with their own kings in many cases, but uh, they, I, I think it's a great example, great stories about living in the world, but drawing a line. Excellent. And thanks so much uh, for all you guys. And I appreciate, you know, the technical challenges that we have uh, in this teleconferencing world of the pandemic that we have. And thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on the Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Facebook. We have a website that includes a blog, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com. And all of our podcasts are uh, archived on SoundCloud. I want to invite each and every one of you to, once uh, you're able to congregate, to join a local Bible-based church, why local so you'll go. Go participate and join a men's only group, kind of like what we have here. So, uh, <clears throat> and if there isn't a men's only group, start one. This is Man Up. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.